Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, I'm Ryan Mallory, and this is my Swing Trading the Stock Market podcast. I'm here to teach you how to trade in a complex, ever-changing world of finance. Learn what it means to trade profitably and consistently, managing risk, avoiding the pitfalls of trading, and most importantly, to let those winners run wild. You can succeed at the stock market, and I'm ready to show you how. Hey, everybody. This is Ryan Mallory with Swing Trading the Stock Market, and you might notice that I'm not just doing this on audio anymore. I'm doing it with video. I'm doing my podcasts. I'm doing video podcasts now. So if you're listening on Spotify, you can actually see the videos now on Spotify as well. You can also see it on YouTube. It's a really cool feature that I'm trying to roll out. I've tried it in the past. I didn't quite like it as much, but giving it another shot here, I think this is going to be one that sticks this time. One of the things that I always worry about is that I might not be as personable when I feel like I'm in front of a camera. Sometimes when I'm doing the podcast and it's just audio, I'm just kind of just slouching down in my chair, just chit-chatting with you guys. But this time around, we're going to make it work. So today's podcast episode, we're going to be talking about fractional shares, how to trade them, how do you use stop losses with them, what shares should you target? If you're working with, like, say, a $1,000 budget, do you just go, hey, I'm going to use mental stop losses because I can't use hard stop losses on fractional shares, or do I lower the price on the kinds of stocks that I'm going to trade? So we're going to talk about that in this episode. So for the purposes of this episode, I never like to use people's real names because I never know if they really want to have their real names used. So I just give them a good Florida redneck name. So for this episode, we're going to go with the name Hank. And Hank writes, hey, Ryan, I discovered your podcast a couple of months ago while looking for guidance and using technical analysis for swing trading. Your short episodes made it all palatable, and I've been able to race through a ton of them. I haven't completed a full listen through all of your episodes. I've still got about 100 episodes but I still have a lot of questions and comments for you. That's actually crazy that he's gone through so many of them and he still has 100 episodes. I think this is episode 334. So there's a bunch of them out there. So he, that means he's gone through 234 of them, which is crazy. So number one, you've mentioned the T2108 a lot, but that's specific to TC2000 trading software. I used TradingView and discovered the MMFI, which is the percentage of stocks over the 50-day moving average. Just thought I would be useful and give you an alternative to the T2108 if you didn't know about it yet. Number two, I spent a few weeks paper trading, but I found I was taking bigger risks since it wasn't real money that I was trading with, taking one to four risk ratios with a 5% or even up to a 10% stop loss. I started slowly doing trades with real money and found that I wasn't as willing to risk as much money on each trade. While I'm learning the ropes, I'm only using about $1,000 to minimize my overall losses while I hone in my technical analysis. I noticed really quickly that although I can buy fractional shares, I use Fidelity, I'm not able to place stop losses or stop orders on those fractional shares. If I'm also trying to keep my position size around 8 to 12% of my overall portfolio size to manage risk, I see three possibilities. Number one, trade fractional shares, use mental stop losses, and keep my position size correct. Number two, 
full shares on lower price stocks, use hard stop losses, and keep my position size correct. Number three, trade full shares, use hard stop losses, and use larger position sizes. So far, I've been doing the third option with a RIN ratio of about 40%. What would you do in my shoes? Speaking of position sizes, you say that you usually use 8 to 12% position sizes on your trades. Are you recalculating the percentage each time that you're entering a new position based on the total portfolio, including unrealized gains or losses? For example, if you started with a $100,000 portfolio with $30,000 of unrealized gains on top of that for $130,000, is your next entry going to be 8 to 12% of the $100,000 that you originally started with or the $130,000? Thanks for all you do, Hank. Good question, Hank. There's actually a lot to talk about in this particular podcast episode because I think he's really covering a lot of things that a lot of people have to deal with in their trading, and that is trading with small accounts. What do you do? What do you do when you can't buy more than just a couple of shares? Because let's say you're trading with a $1,000 account and you're trying to trade, I don't know, let's say you're trying to trade 20% of your account or 25% of your account and you can only buy like one share of Microsoft. That's kind of hard. That's really difficult because you're not going to be able to take partial profits along the way. And from my understanding, I don't think a lot of companies let you just like sell partial shares of your stock. So I don't know if they've come up with an alternative for that, but from what I understand, you can't do that. You can't buy partial shares. You just can't sell partial shares out of like, let's say for instance, you have five shares of a stock and you're like, Oh, I'm going to go ahead and sell a half a, a, a share. I don't think you can do that. If I'm wrong, let me know down in the comments that I'm wrong. I would be really curious to know if there's actually a brokerage out there that does that. Not all brokerages even do fractional shares. Fidelity does. They're not a bad outfit. I have them, but what I'm going to do here is I'm going to go through all, all these questions here. There's some sub questions on this particular podcast episode. So one of the first things that he asks that kind of stands out to me, he says, you've mentioned T2108. He uses this thing called MMFI, which is the 50-day moving average, the percentage of stocks trading above their 50-day moving average. I use the T2108 on TC2000, whereas he uses TradingView. The one on TC2000 tells me the percentage of stocks trading above their 40-day moving average. Is there a big difference in that? Not too much. I think you can still get similar readings out of them. Now, if you're talking about 40-day moving average versus the 200-day moving average, they are not the same. There's sometimes where they look the same, but they don't always act the same because 200-day moving average is a much longer-term indicator or moving average than a 40-day moving average. 40 days, is a little bit more of your midterm type of moving average. When you get to like five and 10-day moving averages, that's more of your short-term. So, Yes, I think I think you can use those pretty much interchangeably. They're not going to be exactly the same. But why I use T2108 instead of any of the other ones primarily is just because that's something that I've just grown used to over the years. I don't necessarily need to, to go outside of something that's worked for me very well. And so what I use for T2108, I really don't care too much about it except for when there's a major divergence on there or when it's at extremes. So right now we're seeing major divergences on the T2108 where you have the S&P 500, you know, challenging the highs from last August. You have the NASDAQ that is blowing through the highs from last August and making 52-week highs. And you have very few stocks that are actually participating in this rally. It's, the rally continues to get narrower and narrower with less and less participation. So that stands out on the T2108 because it'll show me like, hey, only 35% of stocks are participating. And that was as of Thursday of last week only about 
35, 36%, I guess, of stocks were participating. Now it, it jumped because there was a big rally on Friday, and I think it jumped to like over 50% or something like that. But overall, it tells me that, okay, is this a broad-based rally? Is there a, is this very narrow leadership? And that's what it's doing in this particular instance. The other time that I really like to use it is when there's a significant market sell-off, and then you start to get towards like a 3 or 4% of stocks trading above their 40-day moving average. That's usually when you start to see some short-term bottoms at the very least. If you go back to October of last year, guess what? We were sitting at like less than 10% of stocks trading above their 40-day moving average. We're in single digits, and that's usually a good sign that we're, we're getting into a short-term bottom. So really, anytime you start to get into these single digits, oftentimes on the T2108, it's trying to find a bottom in the market. So I also use the T2108. 07, and that's the percentage of stocks trading above their 200-day moving average. I don't rely on it as much, but I don't mind using it from time to time in conjunction with the T2108 on the TC2000 software. Again, like what Hank was talking about, TradingView has its own. I think even Stock Charts has its own. Uh, most of your platforms will have a version of this, whether it's the 40-day or the 50-day or, or something in between. I don't even use the 40-day moving average really for anything else. I don't like have it on my charts at all. I just really just use it for that particular indicator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. The next question he asked me, he says, I've spent a few weeks paper trading, but I was taking bigger risks since it wasn't real money. And that's what I always tell people is that the transition going from paper trading to real money is very real. It feels very much different because when you're seeing losses, when you're going into full-time trade, I don't care if it's a small amount of money that you're trading with or money that you don't feel necessarily emotionally connected to. When you go from fake money to real money, it feels different. It hits different. And when you take a loss, it doesn't feel like... I mean, it's not monopoly money at that point. So I get what he's talking about when he says that my my risk tightened up dramatically when I went from fake money or paper trading to real money because all of a sudden he's going to find out what his risk profile is at that point in time. I always think it's better to try to find out what your risk profile is by starting really small where you're not risking as much. Maybe you're only risking like 2 or 3% of your capital and you're trying to build it up to see where's your tolerance at. He mentioned that, you know, I usually trade about 8 to 12%. It's usually more like between 10 to 12% on most cases. But I found that out just by learning over the years. If I go up to 15 or 20%, it feels different. I don't like the fact that I don't have as much control over my emotions when I get to those levels. So I don't trade at those levels. I trade in that, that 10 to 12% range where I can control the emotions, where I control the feelings, and I don't go beyond that. I know my limitations. And 
We're going to expand upon that a little bit more on question three, but I'm going to leave that there for right now. He also is dealing with the issue of partial shares. So what I did is I looked at my stock screens. I have a must watch list. This is, I think right now there's about 99 stocks in it. Sometimes there's more, sometimes there's less, just depending on how I feel about the stocks in the list. But right now it's about 99. I need to get it up to hundred just so I can round it off some. But I looked at the stocks that are trading at $60 a share or less. Why did I say $60? Well, the guy, for instance, he's given me the example of trading with a thousand dollar portfolio. So if he's trading with 12% on each trade, you're looking at $120 per trade. If you're looking to take partial profits along the way, if you're trading a $60 stock, that means you can at least get into a, a full position and then take partial profits. Half when you start making some decent profits, and then you can take the other half to close it out, still being able to take partial profits along the way. So that's where I came up with $60 a share. But when I look at it, this is a list of 99 stocks that I trade. There is 37 stocks that you can trade out of my list. And I wasn't really targeting this list based off of price. I just ordered it per price per share. And so you have, for instance, you have Roku trading at 60, you have Shopify trading at 60, and then you also have SMAR. That is a software company, traded it plenty of times in the past, trading at 49. You have SLB, that's Schlumberger, that's an oil company. You have Wayfair, that is a retail company. Citigroup, that's a bank. You have eBay, that's another retail company or slash online company. You have Roblox, you have Uber, you have PFE, that's Pfizer. So you have healthcare there. Then you have U, that's the stock symbol for Unity Software. You have Chewy. I mean, I could keep going on and on. GM, CSX, INTC, Squarespace, Upstart Holdings, UPST, Fiverr, FVRR, Penn, National Gaming, that's a casino. So there's plenty of stocks out there. And that's just a sample out of the 99 that I follow. Now, I also have some other scans that I follow. Let's like take, for instance, this one here that usually spits back about three to 400 stocks. At this point in time, it's about 335. If I sort it based on stocks that are trading at $60 or less, I have about 225 stocks that meet that criteria. That's significant. That means there's plenty of stocks out there where you can take partial profits along the way. Berkshire Hathaway, for instance, I think, I don't even know what it traded at last time. Let's pull this one up. BRKA, it is trading at $498,926.59. Is there times where that stock rallies pretty well? Yeah, I mean, back in October, it was trading at $390,000-ish. <laughs> ish. Now it's trading at $498,000. So it's rallied over the course of the past eight months. But I didn't buy it. I don't care what kind of setup it has. I'm not buying a five half million dollar stock. That's just not going to happen. What am I going to do? Like take partial profits on that stuff along the way? No. So no matter how well it does, I'm not trading it. And it's like that for maybe somebody with, with a smaller portfolio that's trading with a thousand dollars. There's going to be stocks that you can't include in your trading analysis. And, you're, and, and I know that stinks because sometimes you might want to trade Google or you might want to trade Amazon or Apple or Tesla, you know, but you can't because managing the risk is about managing your capital. And if you can't take partial profits along the way, and that's part of your trading strategy, then I guess you just can't do it. And I'm not trying to be like mean or mean spirited or anything like that. It's just, it's, it's a simply just a matter of fact. So for me, if I'm in that situation, I'm looking at stocks trading under $60, or you can even go even further down like that 
list that I was just telling you about a couple of seconds ago. What about stocks that are trading under $40? There's going to be far less, but you still have, I don't know, 200 stocks that meet that criteria just on one of my scans out of 335 returned. So, and, and look, I don't trade under $10. Why? Because I don't like the risk. And it could, that same mentality can apply to stocks that are trading beyond what you can afford to trade and trade effectively. If you can't trade it effectively, don't trade it. It doesn't matter if it's Apple or Google. If you can't take partial profits along the way to manage risk, and that's part of your trading strategy, then you can't do it. For instance, me, I don't trade anything under $10. Why is because the volatility there is not something that I can afford to take on. I don't like it. It really messes with my stomach. So I don't do it. I know a lot of people love trading those things. I definitely don't go into penny stock world. I think penny stocks are absolutely crazy. And I would not sleep at night if I was trading with penny stocks. But you know what's not crazy? Swingtradingthestockmarket.com. This is going to be the website. If you're listening to this on Spotify and watching this on Spotify, you can be listening or watching or both, I guess. Well, I guess if you're watching it, you're also listening to it. <laughs> but go to swingtradingthestockmarket.com. You get all my stock market research each and every day. If you're listening to me on YouTube, you can also do it by just clicking the join button on the YouTube channel and you'll, you'll get taken right to that page. But with it, you're going to get all of my stock market research each day. That's including my weekly watch list of bullish and bearish stocks. It's also including my daily watch list of stocks that I'm specifically looking at. You're also going to get updates on the big tech stocks, some of the most intriguing charts that I come across, as well as updates on the overall market. So I highly encourage you, check it out. Again, on YouTube, hit the join button on Spotify. Go to swingtradingthestockmarket.com. Now that I got that little plug out of the way, Going forward on this, he gave me three options of what he's trading. He's trading bigger position sizes, which doesn't sound like to me based off of his email. He really wants to do that, but he's doing it so that he can trade and use hard stops. I like the idea of using hard stops, but it might mean that you have to trade you know, in a range that you can afford. Again, I don't like going into $10 stocks. I always tell people you know, I don't think that trading under $10 is a good idea. Not that there can't be a stock trading at 950 and it provides a good trade setup and you jump into it and it makes sense, but just like kind of a rule of thumb, you know, I, I tend to just filter out all the stocks under $10, but that doesn't mean stocks from $10 to $60 that there isn't some really good opportunities out there because there is. He talks about using mental stops because if he's trading fractional shares, he can't use a stop loss on those. I mean, there's people that use mental stops and they use it effectively, but they're very discipline in what they do. They understand the risks in it. it. It scares me with somebody that's just starting off trading that if they incur a couple of losses where they're very disciplined with taking their stops. And then when they see the, because this is going to happen, you're going to get into a trade, you're going to get stopped down, you're going to see it go right back up and it's going to frustrate you. You're going to get upset. And then you're going to say, they're stealing my shares. Somebody's taking my shares. So then you start using mental stops. And so if you get in the stock at a hundred dollars a share and it goes down to 95 and that's where your mental stop is, you're going to be like, okay, let's just see if it bounces here. Maybe it goes back up from here like it's done in the past. And then all of a sudden you find yourself, it's trading at 94. So now you got another 1% loss that's been tacked onto the trade. And you're thinking to myself, if I can just get to 95, I will get out. No questions asked. Then it goes to 93, 92, 91. And you're just thinking to yourself, what have I done? I've just blown this whole thing up. It sounds dramatic. It sounds like chaotic, but it happens. It happens to so many traders and it probably happens in a far more worse fashion than what I just laid out there for you. But that's why I don't like the mental stop losses. Could I get away with doing mental stop losses? Not to like toot my own horn, but I've been doing it long enough to where I'm, I'm pretty confident I would be disciplined enough to take the stops. 
So yeah, I think I could do it. Do I do it? No, because I just don't think it's, you know, I want to stay as disciplined as I can in my trading at all times. So if I'm trading with a thousand dollar account and I'm wanting to put, you know, $120 on each trade, then what I'm going to do is I'm going to target stocks that are $60 or less. And then I'll take half out. If I can get into a stock that let's say it's $30, if I can get into a trade that's $30 a share, then yeah, I'll be open to taking quarter positions in terms of partial profits. But I'd Definitely, as a new trader, would stay away from using mental stop losses because it's just so easy to justify. I'm going to wait a little bit longer. And then when you do that, you get your head handed to you. Then finally, the last question he asks me, speaking of position sizes, you say that you usually use 8 to 12% sizes in your trades. Are you recalculating that percentage for each time you're entering into a new position based off of the total portfolio, including unrealized gains or losses? So essentially what he's asking is like, do I recalculate every time that my portfolio increases in value or decreases in value? Because if it goes, you know, from a hundred thousand dollars to share, we're using up. Gosh, I can't hold on to a freaking pen at all in this episode. But if you go from like, let's say you're using a hundred thousand dollar portfolio and it goes down to fifty thousand dollars and you were trading, you know, twelve thousand dollars on each trade, but now you're all of a sudden got a fifty thousand dollar portfolio. Yeah, I mean that that's probably a reason to scale back in the position sizes. Now, if I go from 100,000 to 101,000, am I recalculating out of that point? No. But when it starts to get significant, like if I get to $110,000, I would probably recalculate at that point or 120,000, yeah. So to answer his question and his example of a $100,000 portfolio, I would probably wait for like significant milestones to probably recalculate it. Some people may be different. They'll probably have a spreadsheet and that's fine too. I'm just telling you my personal preference for me. I just usually do it after I, I reach milestones in my, my account and I recalculate it. So it could be that I'm trading one trade at 12%. I have a really good winner and the next trade is kind of like 11.9% position size and I'm okay with that. And with that being said, I'm going to wrap up this podcast episode. If you enjoy this episode, listening to it on Spotify or Apple, leave me a five-star review. If you liked it on YouTube, give me a like, subscribe to this channel. I appreciate you guys following and supporting me. It means the world. Send me your questions, ryan at shareplanner.com. I want to hear from you guys. I want to know what you guys have to say. I will try to my very best to make a podcast episode out of it. Most of them do turn into podcast episodes. So keep sending them to me. Make sure to check out swingtradingthestockmarket.com or go to YouTube and just click the join button down below. And you can also get all my stock market research each and every day. Thank you guys and God bless. Thanks for listening to my podcast, Swing Trading the Stock Market. I'd like to encourage you to join me in the SharePointer Trading Block, where I navigate the stock market each day with traders from around the world. With your membership, you will get a seven-day trial and access to my trading room, including alerts via text, email, and WhatsApp. So go ahead, sign up by going to shareplanner.com slash trading block. That's www.shareplanner.com slash trading block. And follow me on SharePlanner's Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, where I provide unique market and trading information every day. If you have any questions, please feel free to email me at ryan at shareplanner.com. All the best to you, and I look forward to trading with you soon.